Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. So, Mr. Mack, I will say this week has been easier to take than the previous week, obviously coming off that race series and, and uh, their onslaught of games against AL East division rivals, the Toronto Blue Jays were flailing, flirting with that 500 mark. Jays nation was in shambles. Panic was at an all time high. And when we did our flagship show last Friday, it was not very positive, but there are reasons to put on a happy face for today's show, okay? So the team the last week has gone four and two. They have won both their series against division leaders in Minnesota and Milwaukee. Yes, shitty divisions, but nonetheless, let's take the wins where we can get them. So far, in the last seven days, four of those wins, they had an off day. You watched more of these games than the last week. You actually kind of took some time yeah, off. I did. Dad, uh, my dad's gone back time. home. I've had time. Yeah. No, oh, it's good. I saw a players only meeting. I thought, what could go wrong? I'm back on board. Here we go. <laughs> How are you feeling about the team? I know these wins aren't against division rivals, but they were still decent teams. A series wins a series win. Did it? Did, did have they instilled any more confidence in you, Adam? Or is this more of a, let's see how things continue to play out? Well, I mean, I've never been a super high, super low guy when it comes to this team. Like, I think we still have as good a shot at a World Series as I did in April or as I did in March. Like, uh, a lot of things have to go right. You know? mm-hmm. Like. We and that's are, for any team, though. But that's right? for any like, team. I, totally, right? Like, winning 110 games in the regular season, yeah, and then you can still lose in six in the divisional series. Like, mm-hmm. stuff goes sideways, you know? So you just got to get a ticket to the dance and then hope your number is drawn and you're going home with that free TV at the end of the night. I don't know. It, I mean, After I guess how- I was... Maybe, you know what, I should say last week, mid-losing skid, looking at the standings, I didn't necessarily feel confident as I did that we were going to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but it's a long slog. Everybody has highs and lows. We're going through ours right now. I still like the this team on paper. Like, we have the talent to compete. We're just underperforming. But again, look at the Padres. Look at the Mets. We're going to New York this this week. Like we're going to get look at the Phillies. And look at at teams that are struggling. Yeah, the Phillies another great example, right? So like, all things considered, we're a team with high expectations that's underachieving. We're not the only one, and we're certainly not the m- most drastic example of that. I I would way rather be a Blue Jays fan than a Padres fan right now. Oh yeah, I'd be beating my head against the wall if I was a Padres fan. And I don't 100%. think that I think the Padres are third in their division or something. Maybe they might be fourth, actually. I mean, there's but, talk. There's talk in the baseball ranks of the Padres being a seller 
at the deadline, which who in a million years would have predicted that after the last few seasons we've seen out of San Diego. And and that's the thing that I I think it is important to remind yourself as a Blue Jays fan, right? Even, Even after this week, dude, this week didn't instill a bunch of confidence in me. It doesn't make me feel better about this team. And despite two series wins back to back, it's not like they had huge offensive explosions where I'm like, okay, they look better at the plate. The bats are coming around, but there are positives to take out of the last two weeks or out of the last week, right? Like two series wins against two division leaders is nothing to, to, to slouch off. And then Uh also on top of that, their pitching has been excellent outside of Alec Manoa, which we will get to Uh, their defense continues to be the strongest point the strongest attribute of this team, which is always good news. And you take a win as a win, right? So uh, definitely a much more positive week than we had last week. We've got tons to talk about here. So three studs and a dud is how we will commence things here. Adam is back, so he will take the lead there. I know I kind of had to do the research on that last week. You feel in, in, in a very well. shit week. In a very shit week too, Adam. You know? Tough time to do it. Yeah. Where it's like, I, I could have had four duds. And no studs. It's it's like calling in the substitute the week before Christmas, and it's like the te- the kids aren't paying attention at all, anyways. And anyways, it's like, yeah. Have fun, have fun, Mister or Mrs. Substitute. Yeah. So we will we'll start the show with three studs and a dud. Alec Manoa again with struggles. So we will get into that. And just so you know, we're not we are beating a dead horse with Alec Manoa, but we do have a new theory as to maybe. And again, I truly do believe it's a laundry list of problems going on with Alec Manoa right now, but we do have a new thing to add to that list. So we'll get into it. Trevor Richards. Take the name, okay? Trevor Richards. Remove all of your biases because I know Blue Jays fans have a lot of bias towards this man, but the guy is literally been nails. We'll delve into the numbers. Kevin. Kevin Kiermeyer. Oh my God, dude. That catch he made yesterday was absolutely insane. We'll go over the numbers on that catch and just talk some of this outfield defense in general. Injury updates on Mitch White, Danny Jansen, Santiago Espinal, Hinjin Ryu, and Chad Green. And then we'll close things up with the week ahead. Of course, the Blue Jays in New York today to take on the Mets. Now, before we get into all of these topics. I do want to take this moment to say Alberta Blue Jays fans. Okay. Adam and I, obviously Alberta based, right? I'm in Calgary. Adam is in Edmonton and we have a goal here. Okay. We're going to unite the Albertan Blue Jays fans. We're going to get getting together in Red Deer. That's right. Not in Red Deer. We're going (laughs) to. Sorry, Red Deer. (laughs) Okay, so this is what's happening. We're actually doing the podcast live, and we're very excited about this. Adam and I are a couple stand-up comedians, so live entertainment is where uh, our, our bread and butter is. It's it's in our blood, right? So we're butters excited. our bones. We're 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 excited to go live with this Thursday, June twenty second. We are going to be in Calgary, seven thirty p.m. at Bottle Screw Bills. Now, for those of you who are Blue Jays fans and are like, 7.30 on a Thursday? That's going to be right in the middle of the game. That's what we're, we've thought of this. We've thought of this, our fellow Albertan Blue Jays fans, all right? And it's an off day. So we're- Day magic. 
We're going to get all together. We're going to talk Blue Jays. We're going to have giveaways. There will be comedy. There will be good times to be had. And we are going to be very interactive with how we do this show. So we're going to be going into the audience and getting your questions and comments. Not a full-on mailbag, but we are going to be quite interactive. We're going to be recording this, and it will be our Friday episode the next morning. So you can be a part of that show. Now, tickets for this are on sale right now. So what Adam is going to do is he's going to put the link for that in the comment section and in the show notes and you get five dollars off if you use the code walk off so if you're listening to this and you want to come in and meet your fellow albertan blue jays fans then walk off is the code you want to use it's going to cost you 20 bucks it's going to be a good time and edmonton we have not forgot about you we uh july 13th Also an off day for the Blue Jays, also a Thursday. We're going to do the same thing. Uh, Still on the fence as to which venue we're going with, but uh, once those ticket links are ready, we'll let it out there. So they're just kind of calling all Alberta Blue Jays fans. It's funny because Adam and I were planning a trip to Toronto, and Toronto fans, we are obviously, this is still something that's going to happen down the road. Things just didn't work out. But uh, we were talking about how it's too bad we couldn't, you know, do more in Alberta. And both of us kind of hit a point where we're like, well, this is stupid. Why don't we just do it? Get all the Blue Jays fans we can and see what happens. So again, walk off is the code. Ticket links are in the comments. Come see a show live. Hey, three studs and a dud. This is where we're going to throw it to you, my friend. Three studs and a dud. Week nine awards. Uh, you filled in admirably last week. So thank you for that while I was away. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, brighter pastures. Uh, quite a few pitching studs to pick from this week. Uh, the Can dud, you tell the bats have been quiet? Yes. <laughs> the dud may surprise you. Uh, okay, so as far as studs go, we're going to do a 3 two, one countdown. We're going to start with a couple honorable mentions. Uh, honorable mention number one. Uh, you mentioned it with the diving catch yesterday. Uh, two triples this week, a home run, and an OPS of 1,300 is uh, Gary Kiermeyer out there in the outfield. So, tip <laughs> of the gap, honorable mention there. Honorable mention number two. I love that's an honorable mention. Wow. Like right? what a week for Kiermaier. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, limited action. Did get into four games, only 10 at-bats. Um, but he made he made hay in those 10 at-bats. So, And then, of course, defensive stalwart as well. Uh, honorable mention number two. He's been a dud maybe more than anyone else this year. Gavin Biggio had himself a week. Yeah, yeah he did. So, uh, Gavin Biggio, third on the team in OPS this week, 1,015, uh, 286 batting average, uh, had himself four hits, a home run, and three ribbies to go with that. So uh, Gavin Biggio playing like his life is on the line, and maybe an overstatement, but I don't think by much. Um, Dude, this is really crazy what we're seeing out of Gavin Biggio in the last two weeks since Santiago Espinal hit the I.L., he is hitting 389 yeah. with a 476 on base percentage and a 667 slug. This is Kevin mm, Vigio we're talking about. Weird. So. It's almost like playing twice Regular a week is yeah. hard to stay hot. <laughs> um, 
I mean, honestly, we'll take it. Look, we'll take it. I mean, we don't have to spend too much time on this. Maybe it's a better question for long toss, but hypothetically, if Espinal is out for a few weeks and Biggio stays hot, like we saw Biggio lose his job to Espinal last year, who just took second mm-hmm. base and ran with it. What's I think the... it's totally possible it can happen the other way. Absolutely, right? I agree. Yeah. Um, it's not like Espinal was hitting 295 before he went on the IL. Like he had struggles of his own with his his limited reps. So who knows? Maybe there's uh, some more stability out of second base uh, moving forward. But we'll see. Anyways, for now, Kevin Biggio, honorable mention. Uh, keep it up because there's a lot of people that have lost faith in Kevin Biggio, myself included. And I'd love to be wrong. Um, oh, me too, buddy. Okay. Especially after being such a big defender in 2021 and mm-hmm. most of 2022. Re- really, <laughs> really, truly. Okay. Uh, stud number three this week, uh, Trevor Richards. We're going to talk more about him yes. uh, later in the episode, so I won't spend too, too much time on him. But he got into the game twice this week uh, for three innings, six strikeouts. He's a cake king, man. Like I said, I'm going to reserve the rest of my feedback because we are going to get to it later. But uh, Trevor Richards, uh, third stud of the week. Stud number two, also a pitcher, Gary Gossman. Uh, Two games, two wins, uh, one earned run across those two starts, 19 strikeouts. Um, Look, he's been as close to an ace as we could have hoped for out of him this year. Right? Uh, I would say so. And when it comes to Kevin Gosman, and for those of you who haven't noticed, he is throwing with the most velo he has. Kevin his... Gosman. I said, Gary Gosman. Yo, you said Gary Kiermeyer. You're just refusing <laughs> to say Kevin. You're refusing to say Kevin. I thought oh you were like, God. it was tongue in cheek, right? It was... <laughs> Oh my god! This is a no Kevin zone, no Kevin Kiermeyer's, Gary Kiermeyer's, Gary Gosman. I must have got hit in the head last night or something. Jeepers! Holy smokes! Sorry to all the Kevins of the world. So this is Kevin Gosman's pitches, um, as a Blue Jay, and last pitch. So this is this is his fastest pitches. Okay. 99.3, which was the last pitch in the sixth yesterday. 99, May 10th. 98.9, June 5th of 2022. 98.8, which was yesterday. 98.7, yesterday. 98.7, yesterday. These are... So yesterday, he was literally throwing the fastest he's ever thrown, right? He hit 99.3, which is the, the highest velo of his career. And is it ever making his splitter, which is already completely unhittable most of the time, that extra little bit of a, of a pain in hitters side, because my God, like he was leaning on the fastball so much yesterday. Like, dude, I bet he was throwing it 70% of the time almost, which is a big change from what we saw earlier in the season. It's just as a hitter, He's getting so good at mixing those pitches and changing his direction and 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 keeping guys off balance. 
with what he's going to do next. I mean, stud number two for the week and really stud number one all year in that starting pitching staff. He's been unreal. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's the front runner for Cy Young in the American League. He's on the list. I'm, I'm looking at these numbers right now. So I've got the American League starting pitchers. This is sorted by ERA. I know that's not the be all end all, but that's going to be our starting point for this look. Uh, he's seventh on the list behind Luis Castillo, Nathan Eovaldi, Framber Valdez, Eduardo Rodriguez, Shane McClanahan, Sonny Gray. Um, so he's seventh on the list in ERA. Tops in innings pitched, which mm-hmm. there's real value in that. Yeah. Uh, when I look at Shane McClanahan and Sonny Gray, 27 walks, 24 walks, Kevin Gossman, 18, Edge Gossman. Strikeouts, though. Yeah. Of the six pitchers ahead of Kevin Gossman, the closest to him is Shane McClanahan with 82. He has 18 strikeouts more than anyone else ahead of him on the list. Everybody else is in the 60s and 70s for strikeouts. Wow. Kevin Gossman is at 100 now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's I been mean, unreal, and it's been a real shame because the Blue Jays haven't put many runs up uh, behind him. I mean... He got the win for the first time yesterday in almost a month that he had a decision in a game that he pitched in, which is crazy because you say Kikuchi's sitting at seven wins right now. So baseball, (laughs) funny little game. (laughs) Funny little game. Anyways, uh, Kevin Gossman, your second stud of the week. Stud number one. Uh, We should just almost name this position Just a permanent fixture? Yeah. Yeah, stud number one. Once again, uh, Bo Bichette, no surprise. Uh, OPS. 1,115. I never know how to read OPS. Is it 1.115? Is it 1,115? I don't know. Whatever it is, it's good for Boba Shett. Uh Batting average, 346. Yeah, you'll take that. Uh, home runs, three of them this week. That'll do. Yeah. Eight RBIs for Boba Shett. Uh Second place, Kevin Biggio, Matt Chapman, each with three. Boba Shett had more than them combined. So, Bobochet as good as it gets, man. Yeah, he's been the main offensive catalyst for this team all year long. He's currently sitting at a a a batting average. And I know that there's a lot of people who don't put a lot of stock in batting average anymore. But when you're hitting 336 with the kind of power and the kind of run production that Bobochet is, I mean, that is about as elite as you get in the game. This is a dude who is on pace for 35 home runs. And he's hitting close to 340. I mean, my God, we haven't seen anything like this in a Blue Jay uniform. Dude, I can't remember. Since since John Olerud, like, it, it's been a long time since we've seen this kind of mix of run production and and batting average. So, once again, Boba Shett, stud number one. Uh, also, only uh, one error. Since April 7th. Yeah. I'm looking at this correct. Sorry, since April 8th. So he had three in the first, what, nine games of the season. He's had one since then. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Boba Shett, your stud number one of the week. Okay. Dud of the week. Oh, you ready? You got more to add? Uh, No, no, no. Go ahead. All right. Dud of the week. Uh, Pains me to say this. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
Yeah. As bad as it gets, man. Uh, I got the team stats for the week sort of by OPS. He is the absolute bottom of the, this list, save for Nathan Lucas, who had one at bat. So Nathan Lucas with uh, triple zeros. I mean, I like triple O's, the fast food version of white spot, but I don't like it in the OPS. Vladimir Guerrero, 384 for an OPS. That's uh, putrid. Not, not very good. He's in the uh, biggest slump of his career. Literally the biggest slump since he's been in the majors. Now that said, I did see a stat where in the last week, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has the most hard hit balls. I, I, I Yes, and that's the face that a lot of people oh are making, God. Adam. Adam is just hating that right now, even that being brought up. But he does have eight of the hardest hit balls in oh, kudos baseball over the last week. So, so That's good awesome. for him. Uh, this it. is what I was looking for. I was hoping to pull this up when we were still talking Bo, but we will just jump yeah. back on Bo for just a quick, uh, a, a sure. quick second here. So he's gone from uh 10th last year to the 32nd percentile and outs above average this season and defensive runs saved from minus 16 last year to plus three. So not elite Ooh. by any measure, but uh definite major improvements and to major not acknowledge game. those improvements is is ridiculous and, and showing a lot of, of a lot of bias so great work on Bo uh shoring up his defense on top of being the best hitter in baseball right now all right there you have it your week nine awards three studs and a dud brought to you by me and scott alec manoa big puma he continues to struggle, and I don't know exactly where the Blue Jays go from here with, with Alec. There's a lot of talk of do you send them down, and I know we've brought that up a few times, and maybe you do. Maybe they are at the point where this is the the last straw. Um, we know about him pulling his slider. We're aware of his struggles with the pitch clock. I know there's been talk of his conditioning. We know that he's been uncomfortable on the mound. This stood out to me, Adam. Ask John Snyder. So, uh, sorry, they asked Boba Sh- or uh, Alec Manoa. Mm-hmm. They were talking to him in the press conference just all over the place. They asked Gary Kiermeyer. Yep. Gary Kiermeyer comes to the Kevin's mound. younger brother. Uh, he's Yeah. <laughs> All right. right, Reeling it all in here. So Alec Manoa's most revealing quote from last night or uh, two nights ago, I should say, was the mindset of don't throw a ball here instead of throw a strike is huge. It's a difference maker. Right now I'm stuck in don't throw a ball, which was really surprising to me, dude, to hear him. I mean, we all knew his confidence was low. You can just tell, but to have him vocalize it, to have him share that side of the psychology of the game, uh, I was shocked, dude. So you can add lack of confidence to that laundry list of problems he's having. Well, it's the Mr. Baseball approach, right? It's it's going from don't miss the ball in your head to yeah. hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. And as if there's not enough things going on, in Alec Manoa's world, this was one that was brought up from friend of the show, Matt Wild, good buddy uh, of Adams. One works. of the greatest names of all time, by the way. It's a great name. Anybody and, outside you know, of the adult industry, that's as good a name as it gets. And and Adam, if you want to give his credentials, just so that everyone doesn't think he's just some random off the street. Right. So he works 
he's like sports physio. I don't know what his actual credentials are, Scott, but he he's he's got a background in like sports medicine and and the kinesiology side of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely maybe not an expert, but certainly more educated Works in on the industry. Yes. yes, he's a definitely more credible to speak on pitching health. This is his full time his full time gig here doing this stuff. So uh, definitely more credible opinion on the matter, even though he's not working directly with Alec Manoa. So we can put that asterisk out there, yes. of course, without actually getting his hands on the MRIs and 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 feeling the muscle tissue for himself. Of course, whatever. Right. But he is is working as a professional in the baseball industry in Calgary. He does have a background in kinesiology and sports medicine. And he had a really interesting theory on what is going down with Alec Manoa. And what was really mind-blowing to me, Adam, is that I hadn't thought of this. And it hadn't – I haven't heard it mentioned anywhere else. But – it's not like this isn't something that is constantly under the micro uh, the microscope in the game, right? And and basically, oh. I'm gonna let Adam read what he he sent you here. But so he uh, he sent me yeah. this message on Tuesday. This is before his last start, uh, but his last start wasn't that good either. So nothing has really changed. So Matt messaged me and said, "Hey, been meaning to chat with you about my theory on Manoa's struggles." Uh, I think it's purely physical. It's not about getting reps or working on his pitches. He needs to recover his body and limit his innings as much as possible in hopes that he's actually somewhat fresh come playoff time. Last year's, and this is the key of it, last year's massive jump in workload and intensity for that matter uh, is going to leave a lasting effect on things like tendons, ligaments, etc., for quite some time, dot, dot, dot. Uh, honestly, up to a year or more with how big of a wor- of a jump he made in his workload. That's why, historically, yearly pitcher workloads are so specifically monitored. They're monitored for a reason. baseball fans know this. Like, we're aware of how... We talked all year particular. last year about the increase in his workload, right? His, his total innings pitched. Um so Matt says the science shows more than 15% increase in workload for pitcher tends to decrease performance, increase risk of injury, and physical breakdown for the following season. And I think Manoa jumped something like 30%. I think it was closer to 40, but it's way more than point. that. I did the math on this, but yes. Um, so substantially higher than what the conventional science of the field would say is an appropriate workload increase. So he goes on to say, my point being that with it being a systemic physical issue, there's no amount of skill practice that is going to overcome that. Uh, Altering mechanics, et cetera, isn't the play either because doing so in less than 100% physical health uh, simply means you're likely creating bad habits and overcompensating in, in other areas. Uh, to help a little bit now that will cause longer-term issues or even lead to new injuries popping up. Um, so I said, well, that's before rough. You, before, b- before you even get into that, Adam, yeah. let's do the breakdown of how many innings this guy has played. So let's go back to 2020, okay? The pandemic year, Alec Manoa 
pitched zero innings when it comes to competitive at bats and live games. Okay. Now I am well aware that during the pandemic, all of the guys in the minor leagues still had their own, uh, their own workout systems. And, and, you know, I'm sure he was throwing and all of that, but there is a difference between in-game intensity and just doing a bullpen session with your buddy. Okay. So we're not going to say he's actually at zero innings in 2020, but Live practice innings, zero, okay? In 2021, he pitched almost zero time in the minor leagues. He got called up in May. His total innings pitched in 2021 were 111.2 innings. Hold on. Before we even get to this, we can even look further back because I know some people are going to say, well, but what was he pitching in college? The most innings he logged in college was 2019, uh, 108 innings. And before that, like 50 and 80 in 2017 and 2018. So that's the historical context moving into uh, last year. So go ahead. Keep in mind zero in 2020, 111.2 in 2021. Last year in 2022, Alec Manoa pitched 196.2 innings. But Adam, that's not even all of it. That's regular season innings. Mm. Of course, Alec Manoa started game one of that wild card and pitched 4.1 innings. So his total innings pitched literally 200. 201 innings compared to 111. Let me tell you, that's a frick of a lot more than a 15% increase, right? Yeah. Like that's a major major increase so as your question was to matt and mine right everyone's wondering right now well what is the solution to this problem right so i asked matt point blank what's the solution is this year just unsavable and the hope is that he's maybe recovered for next year matt says well i think the pitch clock compounds this even more Now, even between pitches, he's getting less rest than he's ever had. And he's starting the season more broken down than ever before, too. Right? Just all that extra workload from last year. Um, It's tough adjustments to to be made in one season. He says, unfortunately, and this is where it ends. Unfortunately, I think that's sort of it. Keep prioritizing his recovery and hope that he takes a step forward uh, a year from now. If we had other options to start, I'd even suggest throwing him on the IL for a bit to help with that recovery. So, And that may be where this team is at. Now, I know there is, if you're asking why the hell did the Blue Jays let this happen, okay, there is not an exact science to arm health. There just isn't. I know Jeff Passan, uh, analyst for ESPN, wrote a book called The Arm, and it's incredibly in-depth when it comes to Tommy John surgery and the epidemic that is uh, that bad ligament in elbows and just the fact that humans really shouldn't be throwing as much as any pitcher does. And this is the thing with pitching is that a lot of time it's gone past the point of, will they need Tommy John surgery? Almost every pitcher, it's just like a, a ticking time bomb as to when, right? So this is the big concern with Alec Manoa is that with using, increasing his workload like it was done, is this just going to eventually end poorly and knock on all the wood, all the bad tacos go away? I, it, it was just really eye-opening to hear Matt bring this up. And as baseball fans, this isn't new shit, right? Like anyone mm-hmm. listening to this is like, oh yeah, we hear about workload all the time. And when you 
lay out the numbers like that, it's pretty staggering, right? Yeah, like he increased, sure. he increased his numbers 90 innings. Now you, you do got to point the finger a little bit at the Blue Jays training staff and go, what was going on there? But truly, I think what happened is they hit a wall. They needed Alec Manoa last year. They needed him bad. Like, can you imagine last year's team if they were to be like, okay, we got to shut Alec Manoa down at 150 innings? Yeah. Fans, myself included, would have lost our minds. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying this is all speculation. We don't know what's actually going on with Alec Manoa. And I think it is a, a mix of a lot of the things that we've already gone over, right? I don't think it's one particular thing or it would have already been fixed if it was just one thing. So his body's weaker than it ever used to be. He's not recovering like he should. His confidence is low. He's pulling his slider. The pitch clock is messing with his timing. Like there's a lot of shit going on for a 24-year-old here. What just I want to clarify, and I know this is not the way you meant it, but when you say his body is weaker than it's ever been before, you don't yeah. mean like muscle strength. No, I like don't, obviously no, I just, he's still working his ass off in the gym of and, and all yeah. this stuff, but you can't go to the gym and strengthen your ligaments and tendons the same way that you can with your muscles. So 100%. that's what we're getting at when we say his his body is weaker right and again these aren't necessarily weak to the point of injury things but when everything is at like 85 percent that's the difference between being a Cy Young candidate and 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 not right it's like it's called peak performance for a reason right it's the same re- it's the same reason guys decline in their 30s right they're hitting well and then all of a sudden the reaction time has just gone from being elite it's just slowed down just enough where they can't catch up to the ball, right? Nothing else has changed. They're just at 85% of what they used to be. And you're seeing it drastically play out in the results. And that I think is the the takeaway on this. This is where Matt's idea of, of maybe an IL stint is the best thing for the big man. And I'm not even talking just to get him off the mound. I mean, just for his body and recovery sake, it might be what really is in in order here again we don't know anything we're just relaying stuff from guys who know more um, that's hey that's our bread and butter is find people yeah. smarter than us and pick their brains yeah exactly so, so. there you go hopefully hopefully that's not the case in all honesty i really hope that maddie's wrong on this because if <sighs> oh if would i ever problem, love to call him an idiot right to his face you <laughs> stupid ugly idiot uh by the way matt's way more handsome than i am so uh anyways thanks for the insight matt all right let's move on to a more positive topic trevor freaking richards trevor the king richards. of k's who would have thought this is the thing when i start to give the the rundown here on his strikeouts everyone should have their jaw on the floor because he is one of the most elite strikeout guys the blue jays have ever had yeah let that roll around in the old noggin for a few minutes. The most elite strikeout guy the Blue Jays may have ever had. That's insane. So let's get into the last six appearances because he's had 10 innings pitched. And that's one of the things that has been so impressive with Trevor Richards is his innings pitched. They have been able to go to him for two, three innings. They're using him like a long man, something he's never really done in his career. So in his last six appearances, that's 10 innings pitched. That's four hits, one earned run, 
14 K and, uh, opponents batting average of a buck 14. He has a team leading 36% strikeout rate, which is 15th in major league baseball. He has a 39% whiff rate, which is sixth in major league baseball with a minimum of a hundred plate appearances. He's just been purely filthy bottom line. So this is MLB whiff rate leaders. Number one out of Baltimore, Batista with a 45.4%. Bobby Abreu out of Houston with a 44.4%. Jacob deGrom in Texas with 42.1%. Matt Brash, Canadian kid out of Seattle in at number four with 41.4%. Spencer Strider in Atlanta with a 402 And in at number six in all of baseball, Trevor Richards with a 38.8% whiff rate. And you know what? Number nine on that list, Eric Swanson. So the Blue Jays with two of the top 10 pitchers with whiff rate. Now, this is the strikeout rate. Go ahead. Sorry, can you just break down for me, like I'm five, what is a whiff rate? So it's going to be the swing and miss. So so not for a bat that ends in a strikeout. It is just every time a batter that he's facing swings the bat. They don't make contact 44% of the time. Is that what we're saying? So let's, let's pull it up exactly here so that you're not listening to some bumbling moron, not get exactly what it is. Okay. So it is, this refers to when a batter swings and misses at a pitch and strikes out. And of course, Trevor Richards, Trevor Richards, uh, change up might be, a top 10 pitch in all of baseball. And he has leaned heavily on that change up. He's hitting his spots with it and strikeouts is the, uh, so swing and miss strikeouts. Yes. As a percentage of total strikeouts that they get, or is that a percentage of batters faced? Like when we say batters, it would be batters faced. So he's faced 10 batters and 10, or sorry, he's faced 10 batters and four out of 10, 40% is striking resulted a in a, swing, a swinging strikeout. Strike. Okay. Okay. No, which is that's what I was curious about. Crazy. Uh, so this is the blue Jays strikeout rate all time. Ken Giles, 39.9%. 100 miles Giles. 100 Miles Giles, great nickname. Steve Delabar. We all remember Steve Delabar. Raised the bar. We made him an all-star before he uh, retired into obscurity. Uh, he had a 36.5% strikeout rate. Number three all-time on the Blue Jays. Ahead of ahead of Dan Plesak, Tom Hankey, Dwayne Ward, uh, Trevor Richards with a 36% wow. strikeout rate. Just insane numbers from this guy. Uh, a guy that, like, let's be serious, man. We were all ready to fire into the sun at the start of the season. Well, he's on a hot seat for sure. Like there were, there were people, even we hit a point where we're like, should he be DFA'd? Like, should we just get rid of Trevor Richards? So this is why these guys get so much rope at that level. He's the perfect example of how volatile bullpen arms are. Mm -hmm. Right. You're pulling your hair out. Why are we even putting this guy in the game right now? To oh, 
That's our best reliever. <laughs> Hands down, our best reliever. Just so insane. Yeah, uh, it is so insane. I had a, a number of options for what to put this headline on for the rundown on the side here. Uh, you had Trevor Richards, the king of K's. Yes. Uh, I went with Trevor Richards K machine just because it fit nicer. Uh, I thought, that would probably, you know what? We've been getting some good art submissions lately for the City Connect jerseys. Uh, yeah. I would love to see a Burt Kreischer, the machine, with Trevor Richards' head photoshopped on there, just, <laughs> just like ripping his shirt off like Burt Kreischer yes. does. So if someone can yes. get on that, get your submissions in. Uh, another one was K. Trevor Richards. Uh, you know, K. <laughs> Trevor Wilson, right? Yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. Spurly Dan. So, anyways, uh, yeah, Trevor Richards, uh, some positivity in the the bullpen. Tip of the cap, Trevor Richards. Anything else to add? Just that it's been really impressive to see the turnaround on that dude. Love to see his changeup hitting the spots like they are, and and honestly, just in the nick of time because they really needed a guy like Mitch White was supposed to be that dude, that, that long man. And every team kind of needs a guy who can come in and eat an inning or two or three. Yeah. And Nate Pearson and Trevor Richards have been those dudes. And uh, yeah, multiple inning relievers rare, especially to see them succeed. Love to see it. All right, then uh, moving on to the outfield and speaking of, I could have gone a number, number of ways with the headline for this segment. For Gary Kiermeyer, yeah. For Gary Kiermeyer, yes. <laughs> Which, for people watching on the Clips channel, have no idea why that's so funny. Um, <laughs> so, Kevin Kiermeyer, the Oz Kiermeyer wiener. I went with hot. <laughs> I went with hot dogs in the outfield because they're out there hot dog, and if they're doing good, yeah, they're looking good. So, hot dogs in the outfield. Uh, get me that photoshopped Kevin Kiermeyer in a a hot dog bun costume. And the hot that's dog all I need uniform. for them. Love it. So I don't know if anyone missed his catch, but if you did do yourself a favor and go on to YouTube, you're here right now. Probably if you're watching the show, stop us, stop us right now, <laughs> but you got to look it up because it is absolutely insane. It's one of the, and I mean this as a 41 year old who has watched baseball his whole life. Uh, one of the best catches I've ever seen. It was unbelievable. If you go to YouTube and you search for Kevin Kiermeyer highlight catch, uh, you're going to have some sorting to do. Yes. So Chris Black, friend of the show at down to black on Twitter, he had some information on this catch. So his foot speed was 30 poor 30.4 feet per second was his sprint speed which he's got in brackets elite. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. yeah. Uh, jump six feet better than MLB average. So his diving catch was six feet further than, than most would do. He covered, get this, Adam, he covered 92 feet in 4.7 seconds. Like what? Kiermaier's first five-star catch this season, it was a 25% catch probability, 15 catch probability, 15% uh, catch probability. So maybe 
what Chris is saying here is by catch probability, this is a top five catch in Kiermaier's career, which is wild. Sorry, what was the sprint speed on Kiermaier again? How many feet per second? 30.4 feet per second once he got up to top speed. Uh, For record, Usain Bolt, world record sprinter, uh, sprint speed at his peak in his career, 34 feet per second. (laughs) He wasn't wearing cleats in a... And a ball uniform when he did it either. So yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, so, could Kevin Kiermeyer beat Usain Bolt in a head-to-head race? Probably not. Could Gary Kiermeyer? Maybe. If there's a ball <laughs> he's trying to get to, can he get? Can he? <laughs> like, well, what kind I'll, of I'll tell you that. Does Kiermeyer need? Yeah, I'll tell exactly. you that. Put a glove on both of their hands and track a baseball. Give me yeah. Kiermeyer. Like that is absolutely insane. Thirty point four second sprint speed. Like it's just so unreal like 92 feet in 4.7 seconds you shouldn't be in the same category as a uh, the fastest man on the planet anyways just so unbelievable and so exciting to see that kind of defense and the outfield defense in general is elite and there's a lot of you that can lament about this team you know there's a lot of problems with it but this is the best defensive squad they've maybe ever had and uh they need to start scoring more runs, but you win playoff games with defense and pitching. And they have had that over the last little while here. It is really cool to see uh, defensive runs saved. They have the most in baseball for a entire team. We talked about Boba Shed and what he has done in improving his defense, man. This team is just defensively sound. And a lot of it is off the back of Kevin Kiermeyer, who is really short up center field for this team. Big time. Uh, I'm happy to see no IL stint for Kevin Kiermeyer. Mm-hmm. When I was on my uh, stint away from the TV during my dad's visit and everything, uh, I did get the update that he had left a game. Sore Didn't back. Look, yeah. Sore back. And then, I mean, it's hard for the brain to not go, Uh-oh. oh, yeah, he's got an injury history. Here it is. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's good to see he's still out there. Um, I think his workload's going to be managed for the foreseeable future. I would I hope so. I would hope so. Although it, Dan Schulman had me laughing in the game yesterday after that catch, he was like, "Boy, his back doesn't look too sore there." It's like, yeah, he, his back looked pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Let's keep it that way. Okay. Speaking of bad tacos, we are going to do an injury report. Of course, if you are a grounds crew member, you are well aware of the bad taco. Uh, slang that we have come up with. If you're new to the to the channel, bad taco is just we don't wish to get jinxy. We don't wish to put any bad juju out into the baseball world when it comes to our Toronto Blue Jays. So whatever we right. talk injury, right? We, we don't say injury. we don't say. Oh, sure would be bad if Garrett Cole got an injury because even saying that he's probably going to get injured now. And I just jinxed him. Sorry, Garrett Cole and Yankees fans. Wink, wink. We would say. Oh yeah, if he were to eat or experience some bad tacos and had to miss some time. Yes. Mostly it's a term used for speculation. Yes. So we are going to do the injury report. I do bring up the bad taco because we do have our merch. So if you are into a bad taco baseball t-shirt, you can get that on the walkoffpodcast.ca website. 
the shop is up and live and you use the code bad taco for 10 percent hey, off i'm in a slow pitch tournament in devon alberta this weekend and the guy said make sure you wear a black shirt so i'm wearing my bad taco t-shirt perfect got black devon, sleeves it'll count there you go devon alberta devon is a place on earth there you go come say hi if you're in uh, the devon ball tournament come say hi i'll be the guy in the bad taco shirt so let's start with Mitch White. He had a restart, uh, rehab start just yesterday afternoon, and you all better brace yourself because it was not pretty. He is currently on the 60-day IL and going through his rehab stint. He pitched 1.1 innings yesterday, allowed four hits, five runs, four of them earned, one walk, 2K in 40 pitches. Not pretty. And this has kind of been the story of Mitch White all year. He has struggled with his health. He has struggled staying on the mound. And when he has been on the mound, he has been hit hard. Again, just a reminder, Mitch White, uh, trade deadline acquisition last year, traded to Nick Frazzo out of their minor league system, who, of course, is killing it right now with the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is always tough to see. He's in double A. Um, yeah, Mitch White. Has no options left. So once he is healthy, they do need to add him to this roster or release him outright, which I can't see them doing. And who knows how long it takes him to get off this IL, but Mitch White is a big question mark for this team. Mm -hmm. Moving along to our starting catcher, friend of the show. Twice this man took time out of his day to talk with Adam and I, Danny Jansen. So... This was updated just yesterday. Um, he's not going to travel with the Blue Jays to New York, so he's not with the team right now. He's going to stay behind and continue to run through his rehab stint, if you will. John Schneider told Hazel May yesterday that he's hitting in the cage. He's hitting to live pitching, throwing with no issue, did some light jogging, uh, no timetable for his return, but he is in the middle of baseball activities. So some encouraging news there. Hopefully Mr. Jansen back with the team in the next couple weeks. That's the dream. That's Santiago the dream. Espinal. <sighs> Santiago Espinal. He took some live batting practice for the first time last week. He has been progressing slowly, more slowly than they had hoped for. He's probably still two to three weeks away, and who knows how his progress goes. This is kind of week by week. So in the meantime, Kevin Biggio is is given more every day at bats, and he's running with it. Again, we mentioned it when Kevin Biggio got the uh, – was he stud three or was he an honorable he was, mention? Uh, he was an H this week. He was an honorable mention. But again, in the last two weeks, Kevin Biggio hit in 389 with an on-base percentage of 476. So uh, right now, Santiago not being missed but hopefully he's healthy and back soon enough. Now for a couple of the long-term injuries, Hinjin Ryu continues to progress. He is pitching to live hitters. He is down in, I think, the Florida State League throwing some, some live practices there. They're not going to push him, but his timetable is early to mid-July. We probably will see him right after the All-Star game, and they'll start to use him as a sixth starter just to... Um, decrease the workload right not need to rely so heavily on the five guys that they have currently uh toronto by the way the only team in baseball to have only used five starters that's wood 
Okay. Uh, finally, Chad Green. He, of course, one of the bullpen acquisitions from the offseason. Two-year deal, but we're only going to see him for next year and a little bit at the end of the year. They're hoping, their fingers crossed, that Chad Green can rejoin the Toronto Blue Jays in the bullpen as a big boost early September. But again, this is one of those things where you really got to cross your fingers and hope that guys are progressing like they should. Yeah. It's impossible to look into the crystal ball and be like, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's body's different. Everybody heals differently. Everyone's progress is different. But right now, according to the Blue Jays training staff, Chad Green on pace to be back late August, early September. That's the hope. Okay. Well, buddy, before we wrap this up, let's look ahead at the week. Of course, the the boys are in New York currently. They are going to play the Mets for three games before heading to Houston for four games against the Astros. It is going to be a tough week. They are lining up against Justin Verlander today. Chris Bassett taking the mound for the Jays, a 3.8 ERA for Bassett, a 4.8 ERA for Justin Verlander. Of course, he had some struggles at the beginning of the year and was on the IL for a bit, so... His workload, he's just kind of getting back into the swing of things for 40-year-old Justin Verlander. We're going to see Jose Barrios take the ball and his 3.86 ERA against Tyler McGill, 4.67 ERA tomorrow. Jose Barrios, buddy, talk about a, a redemption story. I mean, I don't wish to jump off the deep end here, but are you a believer? Do you think, do you, like considering his career ERA sits at just over four, he's right now with a 3.86. And if you were to just take off his first three starts of the year, I know that's not how baseball works, but he looks right up at the top of this blue Jays staff. Oh man. I want to be a believer. You need more. Don't you? We all need more. Just need more. You know, I don't know. Here's the thing with Jose Barrios is he is has always been a guy who's either lights out or lights on. That's not the right expression, but lights out or whatever is the opposite of lights out. Lights on, I guess. It doesn't sound whatever. He's he's good or he's bad. I gotta I gotta figure out now what's the opposite of lights out. It's like the whole uh, his numbers have inflated or that's like not a good thing, but when his yeah. numbers deflate, that sounds bad, but I guess technically that's true. Anyways, I'm, I'm, my autism is kicking in right now. I got to <laughs> calibrate. Um, you're in public, Adam. You're in public. Okay, so Jose Barrios, I just, I feel like we're just seeing the good vert. He's a tale of two Barrioses, you know, like. He really is. So I just don't know that. This isn't is just a good version. Is your confidence level in Jose Barrios, has it surpassed your confidence level in Yusei Kikuchi? I knew that question was coming. Yusei Kikuchi, I have been optimistic about, but I have also said I wanted to see him pitch into June before I made an evaluation on, is this, is he, is he fixed, right? Because... Yes historically his numbers always look good in April and May. 
I don't know. He's I think his last couple outings have not been the best, but haven't been still picking up wins. Still picking up wins. They've yeah. been kind of ugly. He's grinding it out. What I do like about what I'm seeing from Yusei Kikuchi is he'll give up two runs in the first inning, but then he'll hang around and still grind out five innings that like he'll pitch himself into a jam and then he'll pitch himself out of it. You know, so the whip gets inflated, but he gets out of it. Um, you know, they say like being a starting pitcher is five games a year. You've got it five games a year. You've, you don't got it. And then your career is made on what do you do in the 20 other games? Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, that's where like you say Kikuchi this year is showing me that on those other 20 games, he's, he's making it happen. You know, when his stuff isn't lights out, but it's not a write off either. He's, mm-hmm. he's getting us into the fifth and sixth inning. And so I'm happy with that. Whereas Barrios is more of a guy where like 10 games a year, he's got it 10 yeah. games a year. He doesn't have it. <laughs> and then he's yeah. just got 10 in the middle that are kind of mad. So for me with Barrios, it just feels like, okay, well right now we're burning all of his 10, 15 lights out performances. So there might be 10 or 15 ugly ones this year. Yeah, I his graph is definitely more of a Rocky right, Mountain right. ride. That's right, for, sure. for sure. So, so the final game, the final game of this Met series is a battle of the Japanese pitchers. Nippon Professional Baseball League, both Yusei Kikuchi and Kodai Senga have come from the NPB and uh, going head-to-head on Sunday. So Yusei Kikuchi sitting at a ERA of 4.47. We did just touch on the fact that he has had a couple of rough starts lately, although his last start, he did pitch five. He did get the win, and he did uh, not give up too many runs, and that's really all we're after out of our fifth starter. So we'll see what happens. See what happens. Uh, Notably, ESPN matchup predictor has us losing all three games. Okay, so there you go. Uh, then we go back to Toronto and Houston comes to town for four. This will be a test. That'll be a test. So this next week sure would be nice to see the boys get a couple series wins. If they can split Houston and beat New York, boy, oh boy, that is uh, that is some big time stuff in a, in a pretty tough week to start June off. I want two out of three against the Mets. The I Mets are, are doing better than they were in April. But didn't take much. <laughs> didn't take much. That's a great point. They're still not firing on all cylinders. I want to take advantage of them. Even though it's in New York, take two out of three. Like It's going to feel like a sweep. Anytime you go on the road, you take two out of three. Yeah. Against a team yeah. with a $300 trillion payroll. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a good series. So let's take two out of three in New York. Uh, expectations for this Astros series. We got Alec Manoa on the bump game one. I have zero faith. I have zero faith in Manoa for this next game. I have, Uh, I, I, and I withhold, I, I hold on to this. Okay. That I, I do have faith in Alec Manoa long-term, but my goodness right now, the kid has to find it. Stuff is going on. Okay. Here's the question with Alec Manoa. I have faith in him long-term. My definition of long-term is Alec Manoa's career. Yes. Is your definition of long-term this season? Like, do you ha- still have confidence? Because that's something that earlier 
when we talked in April and early May, you still thought that he was going to find it by the second half of the season. I really had confidence he's going to find it. Honestly, Matt Wilde's take on this is a bit of a bummer, and it does have me thinking maybe this is more of a long-term recovery process. But uh, that said, I would not be shocked if come September he's pretty lights out you know like we've seen it from him before and it wasn't a small sample size it was a full year and a half really since the time he was called up he's been pretty solid so the fact that he's struggling for the first time in his major league career it could be as little as just an adjustment from the hitters too man like that's the thing with Alec Manoa and we we keep talking about it I don't think it's any one thing I think it's a list of shit that he's got to kind of reconcile with and figure out all right, rest of the series then. We've also got Gossman. That's Gary Gossman. Uh, Chris Bassett and Jose Barrios uh, getting starts against the Astros. So ESPN matchup predictor has a split in this series, two and two. It is in Toronto. Yeah. Would you be okay with two and two against the I'd be all right. I'd be very right good World Series defending Houston Astros? Yeah, I'd be all right with two and two against the Astros. I definitely want two out of three against the Mets, but if they can take four out of seven, that is a win. I'll be so. disappointed with three out of four, but they better, if they if that's the way it goes, that better be as low as this gets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had our ugly stretch. We've painted yeah. ourselves into a pickle. We don't have any extra slack to be sloppy yeah. with no, series like this the cat we've, down the road the pickle is painted and uh we've buttered our bones we are <laughs> we're ready to go it's time to start winning like i don't necessarily need to see a 17 game win streak right now no but but let's keep taking series we got to be above 500 every week mm-hmm. right we got to have no more ugly weeks so exactly and then sprinkling some really nice ones here and there so Okay, Okay. so let's end it there. Just a big tip of the hat to the grounds crew. We really appreciate you listening along. Alberta Blue Jays fans, help us unite. Okay, bottle screw bills in Calgary, July, or uh, sorry, June 22nd again. The ticket link for that is up in the comment section here. So please, if you are from Calgary, we'd love it if you shared it too. Let's get as many Blue Jays fans out as we can. There's a ton of us in Alberta. But we we feel disjointed and and separate. So let's let's stop that. Uh, the walk off, or sorry, walk off is the code to get your five bucks off the ticket. There, hit the like, hit the subscribe. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care of yourselves. All the best. Cheers. Bye, Dad. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.